I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah, I'm all good. All good. What about you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, not too bad. Um getting excited for the run up to Christmas. Um I'm not really excited to be honest. <laughs> I'm not, no. No, I can get really excited for things, but just I'm just I don't think it's gonna be particularly great this year. <laughs> oh yeah um but I'm I'm feeling a little bit sad that like I was so organized this year that like all of my presents were wrapped before the first of December Mm. and so like all all that stuff that I love doing like wrapping presents like with a Christmas film on in the background I've done it Oh, so I you, literally yeah. like I climax sent, too early. <laughs> I sent a text to my mum because I normally would help like my mum with the wrapping for the family. Mm. I was like, when our bubble starts, I'm coming and wrapping presents. So you best save them for me. So mm. I plan on having a day of like wrapping paper on whatever day it is. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Fun fact: When I was when I was younger, I wanted to have a wrapping company. So really, <laughs> you know, you can just work in stores as like the the temporary no, I, Christmas no, wrapping like, worker. Oh yeah, but there's pressure of people watching. Like, if I would literally love it, mm. but I feel like I'm well placed where I live, like with some yummy mummies around, mm. just to be like, you know what? Drop off your prezzies, oh, come I collect see. them like in a day or two. Yeah, they'll all be wrapped for you. Like mm. that would be my dream. <laughs> wow, you've got some so. lofty goals. <laughs> oh, I just, I just really enjoy it. You know, like some people hate it. I just yeah. find it really therapeutic, really enjoyable. Yeah, I actually never minded wrapping. Mm. I think it depends if you're quite a, like dexterous person, like yeah. if you're good with your your hands and stuff. But yeah, I haven't done any of that. I haven't even bought all my presents. <laughs> <laughs> I will though. It doesn't take that long, really. No, no. Um, Are you an online shopper or an in-store shopper? I think this year I'll be an in-store shopper. Mm. Only because it's, it's like, you don't have to wait for it to arrive. Yeah. Apparently um, there's some serious delivery problems happening with, like, tech goods. Really? So, like, a lot of ports are really struggling at the moment. I don't know if it's because they've got to take, like, they've got to be slower because of covid precautions or whatever be yeah, apparently and, uh, there's like you know the big b that yeah. big b that's coming i know i know coming i wonder if us. that's holding it up as well they're waiting to see if there's a deal and if they can get some more money for these yeah. reports yeah that wow that is true yeah. you're like let's hang on to this for two weeks and we can charge import tax or something <laughs> oh the big b you know um, what 
Mm. I'm actually relieved to hear though about the big B rather than. Oh, you we know can't what? Call it the big C because the big C means something else. The big C used to be cancer, yeah. and now it's coronavirus. <laughs> cancer is pissed. You know, all all that marketing it did for years. Oh, <laughs> but you know what? There was a time where Brexit was the worst thing going on. I know. I like, and I you were fed up of hearing it. about it. <laughs> I love a bit of Brexit now. Yeah. It's a ray of sunshine. <laughs> Will he? Won't he? You know? oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, fashion story. Or as you like to say, fashion story. <laughs> <laughs> what is yours this, this week? Um, I won't go too deep into it because I think we'll probably do this for next for next episode. Okay. But we've had a few fashion shows pop up. We've had Dior oh. Men's, we've had Balenciagas, um, and we've had Chanel's Metier Darts recently. So um, I don't know why, but I just wasn't expecting them. Mm. Yeah, they silently appeared. Mm, yeah it's so hard to keep up with these things but <laughs> considering that we have got much less going on in our lives I feel so overloaded sometimes with like all of mm. this stuff we sound like well hang on when did this happen yeah I think it's we've lost a bit of structure to mm. our life you know the nine like, to yeah, five the time of week. year and all of that yeah, yeah that provides structure to us and the summer holiday is a is another block of the year that you know helps us navigate <laughs> existence um but we just haven't had any of that so and then of course like earlier on in the year all these brands said we're not adhering to fashion weeks anymore mm. so it's just been fair game for them to put out what they want to put out when they want to put it out yeah um but like high level thoughts Balenciaga I don't know if you saw it but theirs was like a lookbook mm-hmm. um, so it was like lots of images as opposed to um, video walk runway um, and theirs was quite cool I appreciate the their conviction in um, how they present things so basically it was very much like avatar like a gaming avatar mm. you know where you choose your choose your character and choose TikTok, your player yeah yeah and um you know on tiktok people do those like all those reels where they are pretending to be like a like a grand theft auto character yeah <laughs> and then they change their outfits and they're doing that little like classic bob avatar bob yeah balenciaga's was very much like that they all the models um were posed in this gaming avatar way and then they all wore these um you know those knights who used to wear armor they're all mm-hmm. wearing those as like boots and that's really cool i mean the looks of course with balenciaga the looks are all over the place it's just like <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like high and low high and low fashion you know I don't yeah know what other way to put it but no that's that's Balenciaga to a yeah. day <laughs> you've got a ball gown with a hoodie yeah on yeah, top yeah. of it you've got a, you know they're throwing a bit of DHL uniform every so often <laughs> but it was like that but um I did like the way they presented it I mm-hmm. thought it was cool and it was really current um dual men's it was sleek 
I really liked it. And then Chanel, I think maybe next episode we will we will deep dive oh. into her. <laughs> She's gonna drag it. We all can feel it. No, 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 no. No, I'm not. Okay. Mm. <laughs> ah! Okay, cool. Well, that's What's a little, fashion story? little teaser for next week. Mm. Um, my fashion story is that Moncler has acquired Stone Island. Yes. So I don't yeah. think Stone Island was under administration or anything. No. Um, but Stone Island is actually such a cool brand. It's really like... I don't know it's got like it's basically its ethics are really well placed it's there for quality mm. it's it's kind of somewhat in touching with a Moncler that like it's quite a high-end sort of like um clothing people really mm. trust it for sort of like camping clothing and all of that kind of a thing mm. um but yeah so I wonder if this is gonna take sort of Stola Island to bigger heights yeah yeah, I think it, it makes sense to acquire Stone Island. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Stone Island has had a bit of a revival and a yeah. rebrand in recent years, whereas it was known as like, to be honest, very in keeping with our topic for this week. But the idea of Stone Island is like a bit of a, just like a common um mm-hmm. Brand. Yeah, I, I actually think it was it's come the, back. the football hooligan thing at one point. Yeah, it's come back as like a brand of quality and a brand that people really gravitate towards for certain pieces. And yeah, yeah. they've really nailed technical clothing. So that like, they've got great technical fabrics, sort of like thermo stuff or like heat mm. wicking, like that. I think that's the direction that they sort of really relaunched themselves in and it works rather than it being like at one point that sort of like either that dad jumper or like what went into sort of football hooligan sort of chav culture. Um, but yeah, they actually also had like their sales grew in 2020. So mm. I guess it it's a good time for them. But yeah. Yeah. And I think Moncler is really cool as well, especially oh. what they do with um, like Moncler Genius, where mm-hmm. they have different designers come in and rework and remodel their puffer products yeah. um, into some really cool stuff. Like Richard Quinn collection was really cool. I don't know. I, I see like them just being this massive powerhouse for mm-hmm. luxe sportswear and things. And I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hopefully watch this space. Mm. We interrupt this broadcast to remind you go follow us on Instagram, StarloverSubstancePod. Shoot us an email, StarloverSubstancePeak at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube. Find us on Twitter. We've got all the links on our Instagram. You know what to do. Cool. So, over to you. Mm -hmm. Right, this week we are talking about the one and only Burbs, Burberry. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. we thought we can't not do this sort of segment of talking about brands and mm-hmm. I'm sure there'll be another segment later down the line and and not talk about like kind of the most notorious British fashion house so mm. sorry to all those other British fashion houses but um I mean when we think of British brands of course there are lots of really notable um brands and fashion houses that have been around for a really long time that people love Mm -hmm. and that are luxurious but like my like litmus test for how famous a brand is like for those people out there who don't buy into luxury don't follow fashion Mm. everyone knows Burberry and it doesn't matter whether you live in Europe if you live in Africa if you live in Asia like it's just one of those names that people know so yeah definitely a must that we had to discuss today yeah so um I guess we'll start this episode kind of the way that we've won we have with all the other brands where we give sort of a brief history about the origins of Burberry mm-hmm. um and then just talk about its journey really and how it's ended up where it is now and how we feel about it and mm. the highs the lows and the in-betweens so yeah, do you want to start us off, Mim? Or yeah, okay, I will. I will. So Burberry, you know, obviously started in the UK mm-hmm. um, by a man named Thomas Burberry. If you guys didn't know, and he was really young when he started. He was only twenty-one when he started his brand of Burberry, and he, previous to that, he was um, a draper's apprentice and at the time I believe that was quite a popular apprenticeship or trade to get into yeah. um and this was back in 1856 so you can imagine like everyone needs to wear clothes and everything's really got to be made by hand so yeah. you can understand it was a really valuable trade to have um so he started in Basingstoke and <laughs> And what really propelled Thomas Burberry's career and name was the invention of a fabric called Garbadine. Mm-hmm. And this is what we know um, as this breathable yet waterproof lightweight fabric. And this is what all their trenches are made out of. They own the patent to this fabric to this day. Um and I think they're the only ones who use it as far mm-hmm. as I know. I don't know if they've licensed it out, but I think they're the only ones who exclusively own it and use it. Um, and this fabric is really significant because it became synonymous with outdoor wear for obvious reasons, the British weather. But more amazingly, troops in World War One were outfitted in this fabric. Yeah not just the men in trenches where the name trench coat comes from, but their, their higher uppers, their captains, you know, their generals and things. Yeah. Um, but aside from it's world war one relevance, um, Thomas Burberry outfitted, um, the first man that went to the South pole in 1911, um, the first expedition in 1914 to cross Antarctica and also I think I'm not sure if he's the first man, but a gentleman um, by the name of George Mallory who climbed Mount Everest in 1924. So these were like really, it was a really big deal. This fabric mm-hmm. was like the technical 
fabric of the time and it's still what they use and what they're known for to this day opened their first store in Haymarket in London and I mean there's more we can discuss later on but anything else you want to add to like their early beginnings Scarlett? No so like that's pretty much um it in a nutshell really like and I think it speaks volumes that that fabric is still used today that Mm -hmm. over a hundred years on Mm -hmm. like that fabric is still really relevant it's still fashionable it's still Mm -hmm. got a purpose and it's almost got this like it's very similar to the sort of barber um, Mm -hmm. fabric and I'm that waxed I wonder if if they've almost like leased it or given barber sort of some some sort of connection there because it Mm. has it's got this thing where like water hits it and it doesn't Mm. absorb it it sort of just runs off yeah and and so yeah they they focused on outerwear and it really wasn't until the 1970s and 80s where it stopped being only outerwear Mm -hmm. and so that's a really long time to specialize in just outerwear and like Mm -hmm. it was all about the trenches it was all about all of that stuff and obviously they were probably like you said more like for equipping like situations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but to put it into context also for those maybe who aren't familiar with British culture or history or um, that kind of outerwear mm. is a big part of farmers, British farming culture, um, outdoor equestrian sports. Like if you look at the Royals, they live in this sort of, yeah. you know, like barber, sort of barber style outerwear. Yeah. And for those people who you know, reside in kind of the higher echelons of British society. It's very much an outdoorsy um, kind of tartan, Scottish Highlands Mm -hmm. sort of aesthetic. Um, So I can understand, and given also the context of time, he operated well before um, kind of ready to wear. Mm-hmm. So you could specialize in a certain thing yeah. and people came to you for that. I think this modern sense of a designer doing all things yeah. is a new concept. And actually it like I think we've mentioned it before, but like the birth of most brands mm. is, is them like having a niche that they're really good at mm. and that is their passion and all the rest of it slowly comes. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so it wasn't till like I said, the 70s and 80s were due to like popular culture making the brand completely take off that it became part of sort of everyday clothing that people would wear trench coats to work um, Mm -hmm. on top of their suits and stuff like that. And it became quite just a statement sort of piece that everyday people were wearing rather than just bespoke clients. Um, This huge popularity is where basically then the brand became ready to wear mm-hmm. ladies men's children's did all everything with bells and whistles and the brand really took off yeah I think they signed agreements with manufacturers to mm-hmm. so I think a large part of their history was it was like licensed to other people and franchised to mm-hmm. other companies 
to kind of fill in those other categories that they were carrying um which later becomes a bit of an issue (laughs) but yeah yeah and so um I guess that sort of moves us towards um like one of the biggest hiccups in the Burberry in the Burberry history is is the Chav culture history Mm -hmm. uh, section sorry or the history behind that but what I will say is I think the popularity in the 70s and 80s is really important Mm. because they started mass like making oh like all these things with the Burberry check on it, all these things that are Burberry, Burberry, Burberry. Mm. And we all know if a brand is popular and you're seeing it everywhere and it's the it thing, Mm. the next thing that follows are counterfeits. Yeah. You can be like a victim of your own success in that way. Yeah. You think you've got this golden ticket and you're running with it, which is a good thing because you want to make money and survive and all of that but it can really come back to bite you in the ass if it's not done uh, correctly. But having said that, I think that what happened to Burberry where counterfeits was just Burberry counterfeits were like flooding the market has allowed other brands to learn from that, you know? For sure, for sure. And so like you said, I guess the problem is that I don't think they had someone just sit down in like the 70s and 80s and say, this is the shirt we want and we're designing this. I think they gave like kind of freedom to these manufacturers to just Mm. produce Burberry things, Mm -hmm. which then has kind of, I don't know if there's been some sort of wrongdoing by these factories or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, the check is very, very easy to copy um, but it just led to mass-produced counterfeits of yeah. the Burberry check. And in fashion, it's very difficult. There's no such thing as copyright, really, in fashion. You can't copyright a design. What you can do is copyright patterns or trademark things. Mm-hmm. Or that um, maybe the process of manufacturing process. So it's, it's not the process. So literally, so prints, you mm-hmm. can. Um, and so logos, you can. So that is why we see so many things heavily logoed mm-hmm, because okay. that is the only form of kind of protection. protection. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a really easy thing to sort of counterfeit. And the rules are if you change seven things, you're not ripping somebody off. Mm-hmm, and that could mm-hmm. literally be the tone of like that camel color it yeah could be the tone of the red it could be the lines are slightly thinner they're slightly yeah. further apart um so it's, it's so really easy to hard get in fashion it. it's really hard and i think people fought against it less like i think you know there's more run up your raw now with the internet that you can see it so mm. readily yeah um, and this was also i believe like correct me if it you think differently but this was around the time where counterfeit was huge like you know when we were younger and we were just like there'd be just market stalls everywhere like if you walked along oxford street there would be some like kiosks and they'd be selling you like a knockoff mark jacobs bag and like all of this stuff and there'd be burberry print things all over the place yeah i i agree i think that counterfeit goods operated in a much more open way Mm. than they do now i'm not entirely sure of the reason for that 
Um, yeah. But definitely, I think it's more of a faux pas to yeah. kind of pull that off. It's almost like if you can't afford it, don't pretend sort of thing now. So then before yeah. it was like, oh, whatever. It's like, I like I like the Burberry check and everyone's wearing it. So it really yeah. doesn't, it doesn't, it's not going to look cheap or bad or something because everyone's got a fake Burberry yeah. stuff. But that's what happens when you license out your name. It's an, it's an easy way to make money because you don't have the burden of manufacturing things yourself, but you really have to like keep a tight rein on how much something is produced and what is produced. And then, you know, like other people, not blaming the manufacturers, but other people can come along and easily see, oh, well, that's working. We're just going to run with it as well. Yeah. Do the same thing. Yeah. And I, I do think that Burberry, it was it was like the right place at the wrong time with the counterfeit culture, which basically what we're talking about is it led to like, basically it's sort of like online, it says about four years. I feel like it was longer than that, but I also have very bad concept of time <laughs> uh, where like the counterfeit like products took over and become became synonymous with chav culture and football Mm -hmm. hooligans yeah so much so that like burberry garments were banned in certain establishments Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like that is wild yeah well we in the uk had a real problem with hooliganism yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) like like, it was dangerous it's been a long time And to be honest, football games are still somewhat dangerous. Mm. Um, And the problem is actually not the diehard football fans. It's the people who are there and aren't that big into football, but are kind of there just to kind of cause some trouble. Like, I I think some people are such diehard fans that it's like, if you insult their team, then you insult them personally. And then they've had a bit too much to drink Mm. and they're with their boys. And you know, that sort of like, gang mentality can make people do like absolute foolishness and so I think in a way it's like wearing Burberry print and the check so this is almost isn't it yeah yeah was um it kind of labeled you as a certain type of person and as a way to kind of like quash any sort of trouble or any I don't know just something worked I think yeah. because it's not as prominent it's not as prominent as it was I remember it being back then um and you know what's crazy when we, I was looking sort of at articles about this sort of football hooliganism mm. like I also like forgot that sort of there were a few brands that were associated with it and if someone was wearing that you associated them with being a child or being a troublemaker mm. and adidas or if you call it adidas i don't know um that was part of it too and Ooh. i i remember thinking that actually for age and as a kid i wore loads of adidas because my mm. dad used to like um stock and sell it mm-hmm but like I remember for a while and like more in recent years, it's taken me a while to want to own anything from there. And I think that's some <laughs> form of an association yeah, yeah, yeah. subconsciously, not even being like aware that it was like mm. chavy at one point. Um, but yeah. yeah, so like a lot of brands got like hit with this, but Burberry was for sure a the most upmarket. Yeah. And I would say, in my opinion, the most harmfully affected by this culture yeah yeah 
from my memory that's how it appeared to me as well and Um, sadly this coincided with like the beginning of Christopher Bailey's creative reign (laughs) (laughs) yeah so Christopher Bailey kind of um became creative director in 2001 and right up until 2014 and then from 2014 to 17 he was a CEO which I had no idea I didn't realize that but that's such a long time and he's completely really long time been part of that whole process of trying to change not only build on Burberry's success and popularity but change the narrative surrounding this brand um and it's only recently that we've had Ricardo Tici as creative director and he's managed, he's benefiting mm, from this revived for sure uh, perception of Burberry that he can kind of, now he, now he's able to completely plaster the check and rework the check in whatever way he wants. Um, because now people see it as still a, a brand of substance. And yeah. even to the point where he's introduced that new TB logo. Yeah. That their own like sort of monogram. Um, I think that's on purpose as well. Like yeah. in an attempt to not overuse the Burberry tartan or check. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's kind of amazing that Christopher mm-hmm. Bailey went from basically starting and through no fault of his own might we add Mm. have culture takes over and no one wants really anything to do with Burberry Mm. because the people who are wearing the fake don't want the real because they've got their fake scarf and their fake cap anyway Mm. they actually stopped producing and they took like the cap like out of stores the real Burberry one because of what it was like associated Mm. with um but yeah so I think um the way that him and the team and the company at large were able to do it is, as you say, pulling certain products. Yeah. Um, they removed check from all but about 10% of their range, which is like, if you remove the appearance of something, that's going to, yeah. you know, <laughs> let it lie low for a bit. Um, and then, you know, buying back a lot of their franchised um, areas of their business. Yeah. And, you know, um, bringing fragrance and beauty and all of that in-house, which is an area that most brands make a lot of money from. Yeah, and I think he's just, he turned it around to think he started that way and then it moved to being like what it is now where like it was the most kind of... um sought after to watch sort of London fashion show you would always want to see it because they'd have live singers they would have it in that sort of sort of almost conservatory that they'd Mm, in the middle of the park like it was this um, event that everyone wanted to watch and like they would have the most incredible I don't know it was just really dynamic the way it came and all the campaigns, like they had Kate Moss, which helped with a huge revival. And then it became this very modern, um, like beautiful young people. Just, you would have the most stunning people in that advert. I think, you know what I think they did was Burberry 
started to try position itself as looking to the past it became very classical in a sense yeah for sure and all their models were classic English roses yes and (laughs) and I think that that was an attempt to draw on its heritage its history um and in a way it kind of said that this is who you want to be buying into our brand which is Mm. a very which is a very at the time it wasn't seen as much but there's criticism to be had of its image at the time and how much it differed from those who wanted to buy into the brand do you get what I mean yeah it's like they were trying to distance themselves from this like football hooligan culture knockoff culture let's face it working class culture into this no we are more elevated and the people that we have in our campaigns look nothing like Like you you. lot nothing like no one yeah um but from my perspective I like I went to oh my god I can't even remember it was but it was one of um Christopher Bailey's last um presentations and they'd made all these capes Mm. like knitted and embroidered and all of them were different it was stunning honestly and they were all on these busts and each one was like handmade and it was completely different and it was like um a cape or a, a bolero poncho type thing yeah a bolero or a poncho sort of thing and it was stunning the show was amazing you could walk around it and see all the different kind of models that they came up with so talented in that respect but I think maybe we did have enough of a bit of this like English rose type of Burberry you know Mm. maybe it's time that sort of image did come to an end at the right time because I would say I was a little bit bored of what it I would have never bought into that sort of Burberry I can appreciate it from afar Mm -hmm. but in terms of something that um I personally want to wear I don't think I think it fell off a little bit towards the end yeah and um I definitely think we saw for a while the check was only used like almost as a lining wasn't it and ever so slightly sort of towards the end Mm. of his time it was being reintroduced but mainly in other colorways again they weren't really using the main check for like a long while it's only kind of been I think in like the last five years where they've been like you know what yeah this is our check We've moved yeah. on from that. And then he did the um the multicolored one, which yeah. was like a oh, that was incredible. pride. Yeah. That was a good one. And then they came out with the big, as you said, ponchos, um, the ones they actually sold, not the one that I saw in the shows, but where you you could have your initials embroidered on yeah. it. Those were like big pieces for Yeah. And when library. they when they added like hearts on top of it yeah. and dots, yeah. I think that really helped with like the Czech revival and it made having a Burberry scarf. Don't you have one of those? I do, yeah. Yeah, the heart one, yeah. 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 But it made like having a Burberry scarf something that A people wanted again. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and it made it sort of Yeah, it, I think that it, it helped the past be in the past. And it's funny, so it, at uni, we had a Burberry project where we designed for Burberry. And I think it got submitted to Burberry. And it was maybe yeah. like like um, earning a work experience there or maybe something like that. I'm not sure. 
or maybe they made it up as like a what would you design for Burberry I can't quite remember now I'm so old Um, (laughs) but the funny thing is it was obviously Christopher Bailey Burberry and if I was doing that project today Mm -hmm. it would be so much more streetwear inspired whereas mm. like and I and I was doing menswear as well so their menswear was very heavy on the tailoring it was mm-hmm. smart there were mm-hmm. just loads of kind of like chinos or like tailored trousers in loads of colors um mm-hmm. and like a nice knitwear and like shirts and it was very very like classic British sort of man that mm-hmm. you like with a trench coat a shirt like all of this sort of sleek thing mm-hmm. and very far cry from our Ricardo Ticci stuff mm-hmm. so it's quite interesting that it sort of transitioned into this streetwear thing responding to the fact that now life is more streetwear like how much more do we see athleisure as acceptable clothing for people when they haven't even been to the gym that day than like five or six years ago. Yeah. 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 I think it's a good point to kind of talk about the changes that Burberry has gone through mm-hmm. most recently. Um, Cause I agree. I think everything now is casual, but we've spoken in the past, I think, about this, like, casualization of fashion in general. Um, I was watching, my sister and her boyfriend came round, uh, I think it was, like, last week. You've got another mention there. Woo! Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, should, I should keep, like, a tally scored, like a scoreboard. Like, yeah. who's going to win? Is it my mom or is it my sister? <laughs> <laughs> or Mr. Big. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and we were watching Chernobyl. Have you seen it? I haven't. Okay, so you know what Chernobyl is, is that massive explosion in Mm -hmm. the nuclear power plant in the Ukraine, USSR. Anyway, they have, um, like, Sky Atlantic has this series, and it's really good. Um, And we were watching it, and so the fire and slash explosion, whatever, that happened in the nuclear reactor, it happened Mm -hmm. in, like, the middle of the night. And so all these officials and, you know, the governor of the blah, blah, or whatever, they all had to be called at the middle of the night to be told there's a fire going on. And at like five o'clock, all these guys turn up in suits, like ironed suits, tie, you know, like really smart. Mm. Because this was the, oh, when was it? In the 80s, the 70s? Something like that. I think it was the 70s, late 70s. Um and I, I'm saying, like, you know what? If that was today, everyone's turning up in trackies. Yeah. Like, they're just going to be like, we don't have time for this. I'm going to put on a pair of jeans and, uh, and a sweater and or a, a jumper yeah, yeah, yeah. or a hoodie and come in in, like, a Nike windbreaker ju- just to deal with this, like, catastrophe. But in those days, that was just not done. Like, mm. you always had shirts pressed, hanging up, ready for the week. Um, and yeah, it's just a different, it's a different, what we, um, expect is just different now. Yeah. But I think Ricardo Ticci, like, don't get me wrong. So I haven't enjoyed some of his shows for sure. Yeah. Um, But as a whole, I think the TB is really, is really cool that he's brought that in Mm -hmm. and kind of played even just like, there's now like the B bags, um, like all of that stuff. He's created Mm. a new, like younger, modern Burberry alongside, that also works alongside the existing Burberry. Mm -hmm. And 
like whilst I'm not the biggest fan of some of his shows, I think the campaigns that he's recently done, mm-hmm. the one with Marcus Rashford, mm-hmm. I actually like it only hit me today how like that's a really full circle moment for Burberry to have a footballer mm-hmm, wearing mm-hmm. streetwear. Yeah, head to toe in that check. In that check <laughs> that was so synonymous with Chav mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like is basically like if that was worn in the 2000s would have been just like a straight Chav walking down the street. Mm. I think it's actually really iconic and yeah. really bold to make to make this kind of move and I actually just think it's really, it's really cool. It's really, really cool. That's the, um, that's a really important thing for me. I think Christopher Bailey was like this perceived sense of Britishness mm. and how the world sees the UK. And a- like aspirational, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think that Ricardo's era of Burberry is far more homegrown far more down to earth and playful don't get me wrong he's had his first show i thought was a mess (laughs) i thought was like some of the he was like trying to capture the old crowd the young crowd the sporty crowd the sleek crowd the like everything then he had like like bambi on on stuff and i thought oh that's a bit too reminiscent of his days at Givenchy. yeah yeah it was like here there and everywhere don't get me wrong but what i would say undeniably is that his stuff is more playful it's a bit more like um it's not as stuffy and i think that that reflects in a lot of things as you've mentioned the choice of models the adverts that they've come out with mm-hmm. it's more of a sense of a of a, of a Britain that we recognize as Brits. Yeah, um, I think he's being responsive mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. the to the climate, to the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and long like long gone are the days like not many workplaces dress smart. It's only mm. kind of in these old school sort of bank finance lawyers mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. where the dress code stills at. But unless you've got kind of client facing meetings, most companies it's like you dress how you want to dress. You either dress yeah. if that's you, mm-hmm. but you can also wear like your jeans and t-shirt or like I mean some of my bosses have worn like full on pajamas or joggers um, oh, to work. Um, that's but you know. A, that's a, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, think, I think uh, that's I think it's really like you said, he's not his shows haven't been my favourite. I still don't think for me they're there. Mm-hmm. I think he actually needs to just decide what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and just be unapologetic. But Yeah. I think another way in which the um, the way he approaches British culture is like they've got Burberry still has two important factories still within the UK. It's Castleford mm. and Keeley, and they have been important in grounding the brand within the UK. And furthermore, I saw, I only learned today really that a lot of employees were moved from the London office to Leeds. Mm. And that's another way for them to, not be so London, London centric, but to be like, there are more areas of the UK and more parts and more, more to offer of the UK than maybe what we've previously shown. And then even like on the bags before it used to be Burberry, London, England. And now on the bags, it says horse ferry house, 
SW1. And it's like, if you're from if you're from the southeast and someone says SW1, you know where that is. Do you know what I mean? If someone says like like NW3, you know what that that area is. And it, I think it just um, it's a far more like localized way of putting Burberry positioning Burberry in the UK. I just thought those little things, those little changes, is um is important to the direction that you see Burberry wanting to go in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so like, I kind of, I wanted to talk about just basically Burberry this year in Mm -hmm. what's been a terrible year. They actually transformed their factories to make PPE for medical workers. And I know a lot of fashion brands did that, but still like, you don't have to and like we take we salute you like that's great mm-hmm. um obviously they've had this campaign with Marcus Rashford to support youth centers and help you know with Marcus Rashford's campaign for making sure that children um have food and mm-hmm. are just looked after well especially when it's like holiday time or if yeah. schools are shut and then they've just announced this week that they are going to be donating unused fabrics to students um, in a collaboration with British Fashion Council. And this Mm. isn't the first time someone's done that. Alexander McQueen's been doing this for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's a really great step. A, we've talked like numerous times now um, Mm. about like, um luxury good like luxury goods not being able to be destroyed and you know like I think wasn't it Burberry that burnt stuff before and yeah that's um a couple years ago they were kind of outed and shamed yeah. for burning millions upon millions of garments like as far as I know like finished product mm. burning it um to a, a, a way to avoid <sighs> oversaturating the market anything that was unsold they didn't want to discount them like price discount so they would burn it and when that kind of came out it really shamed them to Mm. the point where Ricardo Ticci had to be like yeah we're gonna stop doing that and we're not gonna be selling fur anymore yeah (laughs) we're gonna be phasing out fur and I think that not sorry not to cut you off the point you're making is that they're 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 trying to be far more socially responsible mm. in response to recent events. Like in like, when was it? 2019 Burberry had that hoodie with the noose around their neck and people felt like that was, <laughs> that was a signal to suicide, to yeah. slavery, to all these like horrible connotations evolved, um, yeah, surrounding or involved with nooses around your neck and they had to apologize for that. So yeah, as you were saying now, it's about let's tackle childhood poverty. Mm. Let's let's support those coming out of uni who can't afford these really expensive fabrics. Um, yeah. And things like that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great. I think that hopefully it's an example to other brands. And don't get me wrong, like they're not doing things perfectly. I'm sure, like you said, like they have their own controversies that they're like somewhat making up for or Mm. whatever. But like, actually it's that thing of like, it counts what you're doing now. And Mm. the fact that they've responded in what will have been a tough year for them as a company. Mm -hmm. And they're still making sure that they are making the correct steps, I think is really, really cool. Yeah, I think 
we can only applaud a trier, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I think that the initiatives that they've put forward are good. I'm not going to knock them at all. Um, so it's interesting to see this like pivot in in Burberry on the mm. whole. Um, but yeah, in terms of their their looks, their clothes. What's your views on Ricardo Tucci's Burberry from a visual? So, you know, literally like the other day, mm. so I think when this goes out, it'll be like last week. Um, he won a British Fashion Award for creativity. I missed this. Yeah. I think it was, was this like, British Fashion Council. Yeah. Huh. The British Fashion Awards. Um, I think it literally happened like last night, but for listeners, it was last week. Um <laughs> Yeah, so he took home the British Fashion Award for his creativity. And I won't knock the man for creativity. Um, I, I I probably was more of a fan of like the Christopher Bailey Burberry. But I think that's only okay. because that's what I think of still when I think of Burberry. Uh-huh. Um, however, like you said, there weren't many things I would buy from Burberry. It was like, I only kind of loved like the heart scarf. And I loved that end of like personalization and bringing back the check-in mm-hmm, in a mm-hmm. way that like we all sort of like thought that'd be really cool and we saw all these celebrities being gifted like the monogram yeah. scarves and all yeah. that stuff I probably would wear something from Ricardo's Burberry more but mm-hmm. his shows don't kind of delight me in the way that a Burberry show used to which I okay. think is a shame but the in-store stuff is probably like better if that makes sense Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how about you I get what you mean um so first off about him winning the award for creativity I remember when he was at Givenchy and all that stuff he came out with was really different and it was really cool and yeah I think he's got I do think he's got talent. I just think that in some cases he's tried to bring too much of that to Burberry mm-hmm. instead of, you know, working within a different house and doing things differently. But with his stamp on it, of course, but I think sometimes it's a bit too samey. And if it's not samey, it's a bit too, like, doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't think he should have got the award for creativity. But, you know, these award shows, they award awards to the same people all the time well, because because it's british there's only so many sort of british brands and mm. um, that you can win it on behalf of and blah, blah, blah. Mm. um but also I, th- I i i dare say it's it's almost like a contribution of other things like the campaigns mm. like that creativity of okay that, that output yes. of the i guess it's their christmas campaign yeah like that's one of the best fashion like films I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I will say the last show that we critiqued of Burberry, um, I liked it. I mm. think his shows are getting better. Yeah. Um, and w- it would be unfair for us to compare 17 years yeah. of Christopher Bailey with two, three years of Ricardo Tucci whilst he's... Tucci. You know, Teacher, oh, sorry. You're talking about um what's his know. name? Stanley Tucci. <laughs> oh yeah, Tucci Tucci. Okay. I know now. Um when he's actually done a lot. Um mm. the initiatives, the campaigns, the changing of the logo, mm. the um 
the branding he's got the new bags out which is I think they're called like pocket bags you know Mm. those kind of stiff very kind of summer canvas bags um he's got a lot of new um kind of leather goods the Burberry now just does not yeah just does not resemble the Burberry of before so he has been very busy I would never have owned a Burberry bag before and I still probably wouldn't want one but like I'm no, I would buy now. Yeah, so, I think his stuff those now. Bags are really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think their accessories game has really stepped up. Yeah, exactly. And so, I do think he has done a good job. It's just it really is for me the shows, the presentation of the shows. I think is my point. Mm. Is just throwing me off, but um, but they have been getting better. I think so. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not um, completely against it. Awesome. <laughs> Do you have any any sort of final thoughts um, on burbs? No, but I do have a question for you. Okay. Just to deflect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think is next for Burberry? It's really difficult. Ooh. You know what? I think they're going to keep being really in Mm. tune with British news, British popular culture, Mm. what's going on. Like they've, they've responded to this Marcus Rush thing pretty quickly, like to create a campaign. Mm. There'll have been some serious like legalities and like, you know, uh, contracts to be signed and then like all the pictures to be taken. And like, would they have designed that collection in mind for some sort of a thing like that because it's very sort of streetwear who knows um Mm -hmm. or if it just fit Mm -hmm. i think they're going to continue doing that i think it's definitely going to probably continue moving in more of a streetwear direction yeah um which is very it's very difficult to do like the classy trenches alongside like a check like puffer jacket i think because you've given me an idea I don't know if this has happened in the past, but they could be like the official suit outfitters for like the football England team. Yeah. You know, when they, yeah. when they go to these international games and stuff, they have a suit, but they also mm. have their on pitch um, yeah. form. Or like when they go to the Olympics, there's always like a brand that will make their kit and stuff. Yeah. They I wonder. Because like could, they'll be, we obviously haven't had like the Japanese. I mean, is it the Japanese? Japan 2020, mm-hmm. uh, the Japanese Olympics. Um, so, yeah, who knows um, if sort of they'll be vying for sort of uniforms and stuff like that for their next one. It'd be exciting. Like mm-hmm. Stella McCartney's done a great job, but I think it's also exciting for other brands to have a look in and yeah. all of that stuff. But yeah, I, I think that's a good shout that, you know, them being heavily involved with footballers and stuff like that, maybe there'll be some connection there. Yeah. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Always making predictions that might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that um, we've missed a little bit on, we haven't really touched on the role of online for Burberry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think moving forward, because I know that they invest a lot on their digital platforms. Um, they have a thing called B-Series where they basically like, drop a really exclusive item and they announce it on their like Instagram and they're like, it's going to be available from tomorrow. (laughs) And then like those 
hype be supreme kind of followers um resellers and you know those kind of people really buy into that that drop culture um and i know i mean i like this was a long time ago but i had an interview with burberry and i remember them telling me about their e-commerce um strategy and they Mm. are really big on selling online and through different online channels and social media and things like that um so I think that they're gonna continue to focus on that like it's like a race to the end who can do it bigger and better in the end you know um so yeah I think that they maybe was employ more more Brits and just try to be like the king of British fashion. But I think I think they, they're really like well placed to, you know, having that social impact as you said and continuing on where they are. Because I think what they're doing now is exciting. It is bringing something to the brand, albeit some dodgy clothes. But yeah. Mm. <laughs> so that's it, I think. Yeah. That's our um episode on Burberry, I think. Really cool one. Next week we will talk about Chanel's Métier d'Art and um, and other shows that have just like popped up as well. But again, if you have any suggestions on other brands that you think are going through a period of change or are, you know, overlooked or just interesting, their history and their trajectory is really interesting, then hit us up, send us an email, drop us a DM on Instagram and just let us know your topic suggestions because literally if someone suggests something we tend to do it yeah (laughs) um but yeah thanks again for listening to this week's episode of style over substance i've been mim and i've been scarlet see you next week When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.